Okay, we're live on Adobe Radio. It is, it's news to us. How's everybody going? It is the week of Monday, April 13th, 2020. My name is Eddie. And my name is Jason. And we're both coming to you from our respective quarantines. It's news to us. In COVID-19 quarantine 2020. It continues on. This is week four, I want to say, of you being in your respective quarantine, me being in mine, correct? Yeah, and I'm kind of getting over it. Oh, man. Today is the first day where I am really starting to feel it. I, I It's taken me this long, but I'm now kind of going stir crazy. Yeah, me too. Like just today, I was like, oh, make it stop. Make it stop. <laughs> I want to get back to normal. Yeah, but the, before, like, I, I was actually enjoying it a lot until now. It's sort of like when you go on vacation and then towards the end, you kind of want to go home, you know? Yeah. Even though you, you want to sleep in your own bed, except, right. except I don't want to be in my own bed right now. I want to be as far away from my goddamn bed as possible. But, jeez. Uh, <laughs> oh, well, you know, uh, a lot to get to, as always, on the show. We're going to have a guest come on. And uh, it's fun to talk to these politicians who are running for office. I, I feel like it's really fun. We're going to talk to uh, Pat Soulier. He's going to come on. He's a 34-year-old executive, and he works in esports and gaming. And he's also a grassroots-funded Democrat candidate running for Idaho House of Representatives. Uh, he seems like a pretty interesting guy. Now, I did when I saw that he was 34, he's the same age as us. And I was like, what are we doing and with our campaign? A- we, we, I thought you were going to be running for office when you turned 34. You know what's crazy is he's 34 and, he, and he's an executive. We're 34 <laughs> and we do an internet radio show. <laughs> internet radio show host. I'm a, I'm a, look out, ladies. <laughs> ah. We'll talk to him. Uh, First, though, we have to talk about the United States Postal Service because the Postal Service is in danger. Now, that may sound boring, you know, when you say, let's talk about the Postal Service, but it's really not. We'll tell you why you should pay attention to that. And a 65-year-old guy accidentally ejects himself out of a fighter jet. The headline makes no sense, but we'll explain before the end of the show is over. Hopefully, we'll get to that one. Oh, that's what we play at the end of the show. Oh, the show intro disappeared. Good, good show. The show intro disappeared off of the soundboard. That is no. just bullshit. Oh. oh, we don't have an intro? <laughs> you can't have a show if you don't have an intro. That That's that's 101, isn't it? Yeah. How, how did the intro disappear? Gary? I don't know. Gary, okay, it's okay. I, I brought a, uh, Yeah, you have a live intro? Sure. It's news to us with Eddie and Jason. It's news to us with Eddie and Jason. While you were doing that, I was able to find it real quick and uh, put welcome. it back on the, on the soundboard here. I don't know how the hell things go missing. I, I feel like Russia hacks into the show. Especially ones uh, shows that we have really good information and they delete our shit and mess with us. Or give us technical problems. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so Jason is broadcasting from home again. It's weird. Do you like broadcasting from home? Let me ask you that question. What do no. you prefer? No. You prefer being in the studio here? 
Yeah, I, I feel like uh, my level of uh, hosting is elevated when I'm in person. Yeah, I, I think so, too, because I think it's you get a little distracted over there. Uh, that's true. And I'm just <laughs> laying in bed right now. <laughs> so, like, I might want I'm, I'm kind of getting sleepy. What color are your panties? Um, <laughs> shit, let me look. <laughs> okay. Um, they're they're midnight blue with stars on them. Ooh, yes. Hey. Ooh, ooh, ah, ooh, as Jeff Goldblum would say. Ah, yes. Stars and stripes. Stars and blue. No. A very uh, patriotic. Hmm. No, I I said just stars. I ooh, didn't say stripes. Ah, yes. What I like you about that listen. is the stars and this, this. It's America. All right. Anyways, man. So we're you're both going. We're both going a little bit stir crazy, as you can clearly tell. I was so stir crazy that I watched Joe Biden live on Twitter. Today. Oh my god! And I feel How's like we our show was one of the first to tweet that Biden was endorsing or Bernie was endorsing Biden. That is breaking news today. That. Yeah. Before we get into everything else, we have to talk about. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. As, I, Bernie I Sanders dropped out, and he has officially backed Biden. So there you go, Bernie Bros. You have no choice now because your boy wants Biden in office. So I don't know, Bernie. Bro, Bernie people are very upset. I was actually watching the live uh, feed or the live uh, thread rather on Reddit, and people are like, "Bernie's, you are a traitor. You are a sellout." And blah 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 blah. It's like, shut the hell up. I'll just get Trump out of office and focus on that. Okay? Yeah, please. Like, fuck you, please. You know who else is going stir crazy is whoever does the, uh, you know how you're watching CNN and at the very bottom they put up those those headlines of whoever's speaking? Um, yeah, I don't watch CNN, but yeah, I know the ticker. Yeah, well, it's above the ticker. You know, it's like the headline. Oh. So there was a live, oh, yeah, yeah. one of these briefings with DJT doing the coronavirus task force. And whoever the hell was running that thing, we retweeted this on its news to us. You have to go look at this. Whoever is running that lower third, uh, Chiron, whatever the hell you want to call it, uh, was really sassy. And there was a lot oh, of really? funny. Here's a couple of things that uh, CNN was running below Trump as he was speaking just a few hours ago. Trump refuses to acknowledge any mistakes. Also, Trump uses task force briefing to try and rewrite history on coronavirus response. Getting sassy there. Is and it sassy or just truth? Trump, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Angry. No, I, don't, I, I don't hear sass at all. I hear angry. Like what? Well, here's another doing. one. Angry Trump turns briefing into propaganda session. <laughs> You think that's sassy? It's it's truthful and it's it's what what we should be seeing. Sassy, yeah, I do. I think it's sassy. You know, and it's really? it's sassy in a good way. A propaganda I don't session. See it. Propaganda session. I mean, like, come on. I I agree with what they're saying, but people are like patting CNN on the back for just uh, letting it all out because you know usually they try to be very tactful and respectful with those things. But they're like, are you we know all what? just sick of it? We're all sick of it. You can tell whoever's running that is like, Jesus Christ, I'm tired of this. We're sick of being at home. We're sick of hearing DJT. Like we're just so. Ugh. I know it's the worst thing because you're at home and you're looking for a leader. You're looking for somebody to tell you when you can go outside. Then you turn on these stupid briefings 
and the leadership is not yeah the leadership is not there he's bragging he's about, about his, yeah ratings 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 so many people, uh, so many people are watching my task force it's i i am the highest rated task force president ever <laughs> oh, shut the fuck up this guy i'm the first president in the history of the united states to have federal disaster declarations in all 50 states just f this guy he's botching That's this true. thing at every at every corner you know and during these briefings he's like nobody could have ever seen this coming i you know i take no responsibility for any of the mistakes because nobody nobody ever saw a pandemic coming oh yeah how about this it is vital that our nation discuss and address the threat of pandemic flu now but if we wait for a pandemic to appear, it will be too late to prepare. We have to put in place an infrastructure so that if and when a new strain of flu like the Spanish flu crops up five years from now or a decade from now, we've made the investment. I just say this. We have an invisible enemy. We have a problem that a month ago nobody ever thought about. <laughs> oh my god even george w was trying to get ahead of this i know doesn't george w just look like a genius now he really does he really does and during this crisis this pandemic crisis djt and the republicans are now turning their sights onto the united states postal service and that is tonight's the dirty deeds an in-depth look at this week's most important stories. Because fuck mail. Everybody says that. I can't tell you how many people I talk to. They're like, you know what I hate? I hate getting things uh, delivered to me in a timely fashion for pennies. I hate it. Fuck mail. So let's get rid of the United States Postal Service. This is what the Republicans and Trump have been trying to do for a very long time. And now that we are in a bit of a crisis, or not a bit of a crisis, we are in a giant-ass crisis they are using this opportunity to dismantle the USPS and actually uh, hit it while it's down. It's down on its knees. They want to kick it in its throat and then push it in front of a bus. That's what they want to do. That's right. Yeah. The, the, they, 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 they're taking advantage of the situation. They, like yes. you said, uh, Republicans in general have been aiming and pushing uh, the USPS into um privatization they want it to be a private business in other words they would be happy if you know probably not jeff bezos because djt and bezos don't get along but they'd be happy if somebody rich like that the Koch brothers were to come along and buy the united states postal service which if you don't know we pay for that as taxpayers it's not a for-profit entity and because of that they are able to deliver mail all over the United States, even to remote areas. And it's not about profit. You know, it's about delivering packages and being as efficient as possible. It's like a public uh, service. It's utility. Right? It's almost. Like, yeah. Like a it's public utility. service. Yeah. Right. Now the, you, the mail, the mailing system has been around since the United States was, has been around essentially. Yeah. And not only that, at this point, about uh actually not about 630,000 people work for the United States Postal Service and when you get a job at the Postal Service 
Those are damn good jobs. Remember our former co-host Rob, his dad was a postal worker and he would always be touting, talking about how great it was to work for the USPS. In fact, he encouraged you and me at one point. Do you remember this to go work for the postal yeah. service? You know why they're so great to work for pension unions, unions. Yes. Unions, pension. And these are all things that, uh, that Republicans hate, which is by a little a, a sidebar. Uh, remember Rob's dad, this guy, this postal worker that we used to uh, have to interact with a lot. He was just a staunch Republican, and he would talk so much shit about anybody who had a liberal idea, including us. He would challenge us all the time. Right. And I, if had I known that he worked for a socialist institution, oh my god, I would have thrown that in his face. But now I know it, and I didn't know it then. We were. We were so naive when we were younger, weren't we? How do you think he, he's feeling? Because his boy DJT wants to dismantle his his profession. <laughs> Assuming he still um, works I, there. I assume that he's for it because DJT, his fearless leader, is for it. Yeah, take, I don't take know. away I my livelihood. Yeah. What, 15 years? Yeah. But in 15 years. So the, the postal service, the USPS is, is begging for money. They're saying, please have a little bit of money for us in the stimulus. But why, why exactly is the postal service struggling right now? So, um, yeah. And the, the latest stimulus, uh, Congress and, uh, actually your boy, uh, Ron Johnson, um, they had an agreement to give a grant, um, that did not need to be repaid. Uh, in the tune of like $13 billion. The DJT and his administration said that that, if that was included in the stimulus bill, that he would veto it, the $2.2 trillion stimulus package. So, yeah, he He was going to veto the entire package. The entire thing. The USPS had a grant in it for $13 billion. Meanwhile, we can go ahead and give the airline industry as much money as they want. We can give Trump Industries as much money as they want for their fucking stupid hotels. But God forbid we have reliable mail service in this country. And it's important for us to have a mail service in this country for so many reasons, including democracy. We'll get to that in a second. But the reason why that uh, our USPS, our United States Postal Service is struggling right now is because of COVID-19. There's less traffic because there are people are slowing down the whole economy stopping businesses aren't using the usps like we were back in december or january or february yeah so, businesses aren't mailing packages that you know you're not getting those mailers sent out because you know uh restaurants aren't sending out menus and and things like that like they might be small but they add up and, um, and by because the, they're shut down by the way a point too that we probably could have made clear earlier the USPS is pretty much self-funded because when you buy a stamp, that's how they make their money. So you, you pay for the service by buying a stamp. Of course, yeah, they do get some government assistance in there, but you buy a stamp. It's not really government assistance. It's they it's funding, but they, they get a, you buy stamps and it's, it's a, it does lose money though. Okay. This is what the Republicans are all like getting bent out of shape about is the United States Postal Service is losing money. It's losing billions of dollars every year. And you know what I say to that? Who gives a flying fuck? Because it is not you know, a corporation. It is a service to the people. That's what it is. The USPS, was, um, they weren't always in this situation. Uh, there was a policy from 2006, uh, Republican-led Congress, 
changed a policy that required Postal Service to pre-fund future pensions and obligations for several decades into the future. Wow. So that's a lot of money that you have to secure. And that's definitely going to hurt your bottom line if you have to pay for expenses that are 20 years from now. Right. And that burden applies to no other federal agency or private corporation. And by the way, you did say Republican led, but I also want to make a point that some Democrats did sponsor that bill. So take that. It's a, we, you know, it, I don't know why they're so against the United States Postal Service. I, we can, we have some ideas why, even though 90% of America loves the United States Postal Service, can you imagine not getting your mail? Like when you, when you put something, a letter in, in, your mailbox, it's a miracle that it ends up halfway around the world in a matter of days. That's just like something you don't even have to think about. And the, or even just like from, even if we're talking United States, if you put something in your mailbox in LA, it ends up in uh, somebody's mailbox in New York and you, you know it, you can rely on it. They're going to get it. It's, uh, it's great. Night. Everybody loves the United States Postal Service. So why does DJT hate it so much? Why do the Republicans hate it so much? What is going on no, to here? Be f- yes. To, to be fair, real quick. Yeah. What's the, like, how often do you mail letters? Um, you know, okay. I, I rely on it more to receive things than I do actually mm-hmm. send out. But when I do need to send something out, I don't worry about it. And then, you know, I, I have stamps around that I bought like two years ago that I know I can just plop on there if I have to pay a bill with a old school style or if I need to, uh, you know, throw something in the mail. So I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just playing devil's advocate. Like how often do you actually use the, like I get mail and I'm like, Oh, it's all junk. Like 99% of the stuff I get through the mail is junk. Okay. Well, you're still using the mail because you're receiving that. doesn't matter if you're sending, sending I didn't and receiving ask for that junk though. <laughs> like it's just spam. I'm, I'm, no, I'm, 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 be, I'm playing devil's advocate right now. Like, but that's kind of how the, often are you mailing something? That's how often do you actually mail something? I don't know. Once a week? No. Once a month? Every other month, maybe I have to do something. Maybe even less than that. But the point is, it's there for me to use when I need it. It's not about when I need it. It's about knowing that that service is there, not worrying about it. And it's an important service, especially when it comes to democracy and mail-in ballots, which is what we're going get to get to in a second. One of the here. only things that, yeah, and we'll get to it. But I'm just saying, like, how often do you actually use it? And it's definitely like, for voting. I'll tell you that. And that's very important. Very important. That's fair. And I use it a lot. I mean, again, it's sending and receiving. So I get bills and stuff that still go through the regular mail, although I pay them online, but you know, magazines, I had several magazine subscriptions for a while there. That's me using the U S postal service. All right. So, you know, um, but I don't know why, why, why do we, why, what, 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 what the argument for it is you and I might not use it a lot, but a lot of people have their medication and other essential items sent via usps yes. and more specifically they reach out to rural uh places around america where ups and fedex will not deliver to usps will deliver to back roads of america 
for the same rate as someone in a major urban setting. So that's yeah. why the USPS is valuable. They're, we just don't see it in our daily lives. That's yeah, point. great points. You know, it's not for profit, and that is... If somebody were to swoop this up, so one of DJT's rich asshole friends were to come through and and privatize the United States Postal Service, they would be turning it into a for-profit industry. They probably make it public on the stock market, and with that, unions you know, would be gone. Yep, they dismantle the unions. They get rid of the pensions. They would uh, increase prices. They would stop serving those back areas. The United States just referenced that would all go away. That all go or if away. They did. If they service it, they would quadruple the price to service those areas. But why? Why? Why is that? Why the Republicans and DJT hate it so much? Is because they see a potential to make a whole bunch of money. Yes, they're yeah. all about that green back. I think it's really that simple. It all comes down to money, and they use the argument: the United States Postal Service bleeds money. It's not efficiently run. Blah 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 blah. But you know what? Medicare bleeds money because we pay out 100% on that. Uh, Different social services we have, we pay for. We don't need them to be profitable. It's something that we're already getting the service. We don't need a return on that because the return is the service itself, you fuckheads. I don't need some rich billionaire uh, coming in and privatizing another thing in this country and then causing layoffs and making people's lives shittier. The United States Postal Service is one of the last uh, oases in this country. <sighs> and this is being conservative. I feel I want to hold on to this institution. But you know what's also crazy is yeah. through this whole pandemic, the USPS has uh, continued operating as normal. Even though yes. a lot of their so thank employees your ma- thank your been- mail carrier getting sick and yeah. some have died even they oh, continue man. operating and that's the thing it's rain shine snow the 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 postal service is there for you the pandemic pandemic and i actually saw my mail carrier the other day wearing a mask and i was like you know you have to thank these people because they're keeping society running and uh, there's also this little thing about the the United States Postal Service that the Republicans don't like is getting your ballot in the mail. The United States Postal Service is responsible for delivering ballots. Uh, here in Colorado, we have mail-in voting, so it's pretty easy. You get your ballot sent right to your home, you fill it out, and you put it back in your mailbox. You've done that before, right? Oh, or- my God. That's the only way I vote now. It's beautiful. I mean, it's like the, 2005. There was one time where I was late on it, but they make it so easy here that they have drop-off boxes like down like almost every block. So say you forget to put it in your own mailbox, you you drive 2 minutes away from your home and drop it off. It's it's a beautiful thing here in Colorado. That's a, and we take for granted that. You know, Eddie, like Yeah, we, we do. Yeah, like Colorado, we should talk about Colorado like we were one of the first institute mail-in ballots. I believe. Yeah. And we also have same day registration for voting. A lot of states don't have this. And we we take this for granted. And it, sometimes we forget about that. But yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, the thing is, ever since that happened, our country or our country, our state has become more and more liberal. And this is part of the reason why the the Republicans, the GOP do not want mail in voting. They they believe that it favors liberal voters in fact when you have more people voting in general people are going to be 
leaning more toward liberal ideas. So if you open up the the these the the cross section or the sample size of voters, you're going to have a more liberal society, and that scares Republicans. Well, because then they're out of power. Then how do they make money? Yeah, if they're out of power. They're going to start losing their positions. Even Donald Trump himself acknowledged this. He said that uh, for, uh, for whatever reason, these mail-in uh, areas that have mail-in voting tend to favor liberals. And he said that he said it himself. And he's like, this is this is why I don't want it. And he also says, oh, there's going to be a lot of fraud, too, if we have widespread mail voting but uh, the experts say that's really not true in fact it's it seems to be just as secure if not more secure to vote by mail according to the experts I mean, there'd be fraud i mean they're willing to send cash money to people you know via mail but they can't send a ballot yeah i don't understand <laughs> i don't get by the way djt votes by mail himself too by the way so always a hypocrite he admitted to that he voted by mail in Florida's primary last month. So because he's not in Florida, uh, Democrats are pushing for the um, for a vote by mail for November's election and elections between now and then because of the pandemic. That's kind of what spurred this conversation is people don't want to go to the polling areas. What's happening in Wisconsin? We could do a whole uh, segment on that is where they, the fucking Republicans over there. They closed down so many polling places that there were only five available five. for yeah, in Milwaukee, Mil- Milwaukee, excuse me. Yeah. The in Milwaukee. Yeah. yeah. It, it, they had like 180. Yeah. Down to five. Uh, and they, and they shut it down to five during the Even pandemic, that, during the pandemic. And there's lines and lines and lines of people in the pandemic. And they said it's going to cause more people to die in the rain too. Like it was raining. It was cold. It was rainy. They made people go out and vote in person. Yeah, you know, one could assume, and I assume, that it was to suppress the vote. Um, there was uh, a specific race; uh, it was a primary for the Supreme Court, um, and we actually have breaking news that Jill Kar- Karofsky, who was the liberal challenger of the Wisconsin Supreme Court election, has won the election, and she ousted the incumbent Dan Kelly, who was a Scott Walker appointed uh, incumbent conservative judge. So despite all of the election tampering that just happened, there was a victory for a uh, liberal candidate besides all of that. But, uh, but, but anyway, yeah, some hope that gives you hope, right? God, God bless all those people that uh, went out there and voted in, in those conditions. We don't see a spike in two weeks of people being sick in Wisconsin. I know, I know, but uh, anyways, fucking tragedy. If you don't have mail-in voting in where you live, now is the time to put the pressure on your lo- locally elected officials and try to get that passed in your state. Because um, th- th- with the COVID nineteen pandemic, I don't think that you have a better leg to stand on with making that argument. Fill out something and send it to your representative. Do it, do it now. Do it. Pat Solier is coming up next. Yeah. I was going to say, people are starting a GoFundMe page for the USPS as well. Oh, God. How terrible is this? Well, uh, Pat Solier is coming up next. He is a grassroots-funded candidate running for the Idaho House of Representatives as the Democrat 
candidate, and uh, he'll be joining us on It's News to Us live in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. All right, it's news to us. We're back here live on Adobe Radio, and, uh, you know, this is something that we've been doing almost every episode lately, and I think it's been a lot of fun to talk to all these candidates who are running for office. Have you been enjoying talking to all the candidates so far, Jason? Yeah, it's like um, really getting to know democracy, and I've really thoroughly enjoyed it. It's so much fun, too. And, and you know, a lot of these, uh, a lot of these great people out there, they are running grassroots campaigns. In fact, pretty much everybody we talk to, and that includes our guest tonight, Pat Soulier, is a grassroots candidate, and he is running for the Idaho House of Representatives as the Democrat Party candidate. And he's actually on the line right now. Hello, Pat. Hi, guys. How's it going? Thanks for having me today. Oh, it's great to have you here. Hang on a second. I think we should be able to hear you now. We couldn't hear you for a second. Uh, hi, Pat. Sorry. No problem. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate your time today. Yeah, no problem. It's great to have you on. So uh, just a little bit. Let's get to know you a little bit. So you're you're 34 years old and you're an executive at Sports and Gaming Company, correct? Correct. It's actually a large tech company where I run their gaming and esports marketing program. Oh, um, okay. I've been doing that for a few years now. It's a really cool job, but uh, looking how to give back to my community. And that's where I arrived at politics. That is a really cool job. I can't believe you'd want to give that up. That's like every we're the same age, you, me, Jason. And to be working in gaming like that as an executive, that to me sounds like a dream job. I wouldn't want to screw that up. It is really a dream job. And one nice thing about the Idaho State House, it is a part time body. So I will not have to give up my career, which is why that also helped make this decision. Oh, okay. Yeah, we were going to ask you about that. So that's interesting. Okay, so. When you say part-time, is there a, a limit per week as far as hours go? or? Sure. So the Idaho State House generally meets around 90 days per year. Uh, it's generally January, February, March, and they adjourn roughly by April. Now, of course, there's things that have to be done all year round, and this would keep me very busy. Um, but it is not a full – you're not in session all the way around through the year. So you can still maintain your full-time role, which – Almost all the elected officials do. Got it. Okay. And um, so what what games are you currently playing? Yeah, right now I just started playing the Final Fantasy VII Remake. I got to say, it's been a, it's a blast from the past in the best way possible. I saw the commercial for that. And I got a little confused. I was like, what year is it? Where am I? <laughs> it's, I it's definitely interesting. Explains my mother. I'm playing a game from 1996, but it's actually new this time. <laughs> <laughs> so did they redo everything, all of the animation and graphics? Yep, they and- completely uh, rebuilt it from the ground up, and it really shows this has been a project of passion, it feels like. And I am enjoying the experience immensely. In fact, I'm making sure not to play it too long. So that I can stretch it out during quarantine. I don't just blow through it in a few days. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine. Go ahead, Jason. No, no. Oh, I thought you were about, about to say something. Uh, I can imagine the esports area is, is you know, I mean, well, it is shut down right now. And that's a big part of what you do, right? Yes. Although esports uh, is generally having a little easier time than other sports. Because all their competitions can be moved online because ah. you're playing on the game servers. 
So, in fact, you're seeing companies like uh, NASCAR starting to host e-racing events where they grab their normal drivers and have them do a race. It was uh, They did one recently on Fox Sports, and I believe it had over a million viewers for it. Wow, that's really cool. That's really awesome. It's, so, uh, yeah. it's really cool to be part of the only sport that exists right now. You know, there's it's just the only one you can play because you don't have to physically be there all the time. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. I, Jason and I have been playing a lot of Call of Duty lately just as a bit of a uh, escape, you know. That's a good one. One of my uh, close friends at work is a big Call of Duty guy. He's been playing Warzone nonstop. Yeah, so have we. I mean, it's also a good way to socialize during all this because we're we're doing our best to be responsible and practice our social distancing. So to do that over well, games is good. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely good. I'm doing the same and playing with all my buddies online just to keep my sanity throughout all this. You know what? I, I the, our guest last week he also was a gamer, and it's it's cool to talk to politicians or uh, prospective politicians who are into gaming. I think we'll probably yeah. be seeing more and more of that. And you've even said that millennials should run for office more, and you're you're encouraging that. I mean, you're doing it as a millennial. Do you have any um, words of wisdom or encouragement? I guess. Yeah. So it's both a lot easier and a lot harder than you think but it's something that a lot more millennials could easily do. And I look at a lot of these great talented individuals we have in the gaming space. Um, a lot of these pro gamers, the marketing that we generally do within gaming is so high level that it applies really well to politics. And I think, you know, a lot of gamers are really upset with how the way things are going, uh, not only in the U S but across the world, but they need to go out there and be part of that change. And that's why I'm doing this. I want to show that, hey, you can be an esports guy full time and still run for political office, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's quite all right. If I can do it, you can do it. I don't have anything that special. I just work hard, and that's the only reason I'm able to do this. You are doing it, but what made you want to do it exactly? Yeah, so that's a sort of fun story. So I just, you know, was thinking, hey, I need to get involved um, with the local political scene. I'm not happy with things. And I've always been of the philosophy, you can either go online and complain, or you can be part of the fix. So I decided to, I'm going to help my local legislative candidate. Um, so I'm like, great. I go and look him up. I type it in the computer. I'm a little confused. Turns out he didn't exist. There was oh, no wow. candidate and has not been. Um, so I immediately followed up that with a Google search of how to run for office in Idaho and the rest is history. Really? It, it, all, it was a Google search, a couple of Google searches, and there you are. Yep, and luckily there's great resources out there now. It's not as hidden as maybe it was 10, 20, 30 years ago. There's, you know, great sources like Ballotpedia that goes through and gives you links and tells you exactly what you need to do. And I know a lot of people might think running for office, oh, you got to go out there and get signatures. Check with your local estate. Uh, you'd be surprised. Idaho is an example. You can choose to get signatures or pay a fee. Um, and that's a big order. So you can pay just $35 and be on the ballot. That's it. Oh. Oh, that's wow, really, it was $35? <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's really cool. Wow. Do, I think it was 100 signatures, so everybody just pays. Oh, okay. Now, <laughs> now, so your opponent was going unchallenged, Republican Joe Palmer, and you're saying that there was no Democrat challenging at all. So you, you have your Correct. name on the ballot as a Democrat, and you have a pretty good shot, I, I would imagine, right? How are you feeling about it? Yeah, I think we got a great shot. Um, 
where I live in Idaho is Boise and Meridian, which are two of the fastest growing cities in the United States. Both are within the top 10. And we're seeing very quickly it's gone from a rural to a very urban environment that favors uh, more, you know, democratic policies. But on top of it, I have an opponent that's legendarily uh, disliked throughout the entire district. He does not do constituent meetings. He doesn't want to meet with constituents. He doesn't knock doors. He doesn't do any of that. So I have that advantage. I'm out there talking to people, making phone calls, knocking doors once this is all over, and doing the things he won't do to show people that I'm going to be there for them, even if we may not agree on every policy position. Do you feel that he is? The... Yeah, go ahead, Jason. Go ahead. No, you I was go. just going to ask, when was the last time uh, a Democrat uh, won that seat in your district? Sure. So the answer is never. Um, and because of the growth in Meridian, for example, 20 years ago, in 19, or excuse me, 30 years ago now, in 1990, was a city of 9,000 people. It is now a city of roughly 123,000 people. We are seeing, on average, 7% growth a year every single year in our district. It is quickly changing, and when my opponent was first elected 12 years ago, he may have served that district's needs. He no longer aligns with the people of the district. And how so? What what policy positions has he taken that you disagree with? Yeah, so the big one, and this is very interesting to me, and I started knocking doors last year, and I want to know what do people care about here in district. I know what I care about, but I'm here for the people. And I would say roughly 85% of the doors were concerned with traffic here. As we've grown so quick, we've reached a point in Meridian where traffic has become, while it's not LA standards, very bad for the area. To give you an example, I work and live in a district about six miles away from each other. And it takes me about 45 minutes to get into work each day. Well, man. Um, and when, when people think of Idaho, traffic isn't what they think. No, not at all. Now, now where it gets crazy in a district where 80 plus percent of the people, number one issue is traffic. Joe Palmer is chair of the transportation committee. He's the guy. He could fix it. And why and he don't you think he refuses? To. Why, why does he refuse to tackle this problem? You think he'd be so popular if he were to expand lanes or something? Everybody would love this guy. They'd probably name the highway after him. Yeah. Well, I think it's you know that's the big reason why I'm why I am individual donor funded. He is someone that only takes corporate donations and other elected officials. And in particular, we have a very strong lobbyist group here in Idaho that is a libertarian um, group. And their goal is to pass no no legislation at all. Anything that's yeah. a new restriction, unless it's targeting a, you know, a minority or something, right. they don't want to see it. And they will pay him not to see that. Right. You know, I, I don't understand that at all, the whole libertarian thing. But that's a whole completely different topic, a completely different show, I think. But... Uh... So, so you bring up traffic, your constituents, you know, one of their biggest issues is traffic. I mean, do you have thoughts on how you would tackle that issue? Yeah, absolutely. So I have one right off the bat, and that's public transportation. A lot of people don't know this, but Idaho does not fund transportation at a state level. In fact, it is one of the only two states in the nation that does not, along with Mississippi. We, If, uh, if you've never been to Idaho, for someone that's never been here, you cannot just jump on the bus and get somewhere. There is no buses. There's no subways. There's no public transit whatsoever. The city of Boise has funded transportation within their city, but that's it. So we need to get public transit. That helps reduce the number of cars on the road, but also will allow people to spread more easily throughout this Treasure Valley area as they're able to take, uh, you know, 
get homes outside that core area where they work. So one of the arguments against public transportation, though, is that it's hard to sustain. Even in uh, Denver, where we live, our public transportation system, RTD, is really struggling even before COVID-19 just because not enough people are using it. Do you, are you confident that it would be utilized? Yeah, so I think what you need to do is design a system from the ground up that services riders, not only riders of need, but riders of choice. And here's an example. Um, I would like to see bus lanes or fast track lanes added in the roads in the major traffic areas here. These would be a separate lane just for the buses to use. I would be able to get into work about 10 minutes with buses, 45 minutes driving. I'm going to start taking the bus because it's going to save me a lot of time. That's a lot easier. And if you build a system that caters to both those crowds, you'll have the bulk with the riders of need, but then that riders of choice bring in the funding and the money you need. Uh, Jason had a question about Amon Bundy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Amon Bundy, uh, for our listeners who aren't aware of who this individual is, he led an armed occupation of federal uh, wildlife refugee uh, refuge in Oregon in 2016. I believe someone died in that encounter. Anyway, he's in. Um, he was. He's been holding uh, regular meet, uh, in-person meetings in Idaho that is in defiance of the stay-at-home order issued by the governor of Idaho. Um, how would you address that issue if you were in office? Yeah. yeah. So first of all, is leading by example. My opponent has not literally made one single public statement uh, about COVID-19 at all, period. Not one thing. I have been providing people online the resources they need, calling them, seeing if they need help within their community, and urging people to stay home at all costs. And I'm tweeting out, you know, even from my political account, when I'm playing games and sitting at home, just to show people, look, this isn't just you we're asking. We're in this together. We've unfortunately seen a lot of this out of Idaho. There's even several state elected officials that are telling people to ignore the order. I know even the uh, lieutenant governor of Idaho advised a church that it was up to them if they wanted to stay open. Ridiculous. Um, it's crazy. It's nuts. This is really easy. And I actually understand the um, you know rights argument. Is this legal? Is this allowed? My theory is let's finish this, let's get through COVID-19, and then let's have a great discussion on how we handle this in the future and what is legal and what is not. But now is not the time for that discussion. Yeah, you know, it's time for how just is, decency. Yeah, Jason? Well, I was going to ask, how is COVID-19 impacting the state of Idaho? Are you guys seeing a lot of tests? Are there a lot of cases? Are you expecting, you know, a surge of cases in the coming weeks? Like, how has this been in your state? Sure. So we've seen an impact here for sure. Now, Idaho is a state of 1.7 million people. So just by the numbers, our numbers are never going to be on scale like in New York and Michigan, those type of things. And also, we were lucky. Brad Little, our governor, was one that took it seri relatively serious early. And a lot of our citizens practice social distancing and stay at home from an early, uh, excuse me, a very early point. In fact, our leading company in the area, a tech company, because they have factories in China, was monitoring this and checking temperatures of people back in February. Um, wow. So we haven't seen a widespread where it's overwhelming our system like New York or Michigan, but people are concerned about it and people are worried about it. And you see a lot of people staying home, the empty grocery store shelves. And we're seeing people, you know, when I go out now, almost everybody's got a mask and it's doing proper social distancing, which is really awesome to see. 
Yeah, I mean, we have to get through this. It's the only way. It's going to make it easier on everybody. I'm glad that everybody is is starting to take the mask thing seriously and the social distancing seriously for the most part. They said, I read, uh, I don't know if it's true or not, but 75% of America is mostly taking it seriously. There's just this section of America who thinks it's a Democrat hoax, and you know, you never convince those people. What what can you do? Uh, but... Uh, well, uh, and spending all those years uh, fanning the flames of conspiracy, you reap what you sow on that. I mean, um, their entire party can't get anybody, be, a lot of their party behind this. So this is the unfortunate side effect of all the years of disinformation from the, you know, elected officials of the GOP. Absolutely. We agree with you there. I, I, I uh, speak for Jason, I think, when I say that. Uh, before I let you go, though, your, uh, your opponent, Republican Joe Palmer, do you have anything nice to say about him? Yeah, as far as uh, he's a very good family man, and it seems like he has a lovely family. I saw him at an event last year. Uh, he was running for mayor uh, for a different race, and he had his grandkids walking around with uh, Vote for Grandpa Joe shirts, and I just thought it was absolutely adorable. All right. It, but, yeah, all right. I'll leave that one alone. There you go. <laughs> Pat Soulier, vote for him. He, if you are in Thank Idaho you. and uh, just go blue all the way. And this is part of our ongoing blue all the way series, I guess. Although I would love to have a, a Republican candidate somewhere come on the show, but that hasn't ha- quite happened yet. Uh, Pat, is there a website you'd like to promote or, or your campaign website? Absolutely. And I'll spell this out because I have quite a difficult last name. It is Sulier for Idaho.com. That's S as in Sam. O-U-L-L. I-E-R-E, the number four, Idaho.com. And we will link to you, your social media on its news to us, Twitter, and get linked up there as well, but if you need to. But good, good luck. Great. Good luck, and let us know how it goes. We will be following your campaign, and at the very least, when this is at, maybe by the end of everything, we can celebrate playing some video games. That sounds like a deal. Thank you again for your time today, guys. I really appreciate it. It's been a great experience stopping by. Oh, thanks so much. We appreciate that. You have yourself a good rest of your evening. You too. There he is. Pat Soulier. Running for. We have friends in Idaho, actually. Yeah. Should we we send them? I actually know a few people. I know know a few people who've moved to Idaho from Colorado here in the last two year and a half. Yeah, you should maybe share this episode with them. A lot of people are moving to Idaho because it's less populated and you can actually afford a life there. Yeah, if you can find a job. True. But, but as, it sounds like it's booming. They have a tech company. It sounds like it's uh, really growing. So, Yeah, it does. I, and move to Idaho. Maybe, that, maybe we do. Maybe we do. We'll be right back on It's News to Us. Follow us on Twitter. It's News to Us. And... Um, yeah, don't go in. It's news to us. We're back here on Adobe Radio. You know, I'm still thinking that doing only one show a week during the COVID nineteen pandemic is uh, is too little. How are you feeling? You, are you just it? bored? Yes. You just you're just bored. I'm bored, and there's also just so much happening. Yeah, we're, that's true. We're leaving our our people in, in you know, disarray. Honestly, sometimes 
I feel like maybe we need to do a show where we don't talk about anything serious because it's becoming overwhelming. Like, You're I right. Feel overwhelmed and like kind of panicky. We do have a uh, political guest next week, but maybe another Democrat candidate. Maybe after that, though, we can do a, a lighter side. Well, I mean, we could talk serious. We could do a story that's not as serious, you know, like bring oh, some yeah. levity. Like, you're right. Everyone needs to know we're going to get through this. But like, we're all going stir crazy. Like you and I are not alone. Like, oh, I know. Everybody I think everyone's is. starting to feel real antsy right now. Oh, I agree. I agree. I think it's it's starting to really hit home for everybody. Uh, yeah, I mean, I saw my mom and my grandparents the other day. Yeah, we were picking up my daughter's Easter basket, and that my mom got her, and like we couldn't give them hugs, we couldn't like get close to them. Like my daughter and I were both wearing masks just to make sure that we kept them safe. Like it was really hard. Like it was like that's when it really hit home for me. Yeah, was not being able to hug my mom or my grandma. Yeah, that's true. You know, like, yeah, that's tough. But like we did it for, and they're like, "Oh, we're not sick." And I'm, I like, I had to tell them over and over. I'm like, I'm not worried about us getting sick. I'm worried about you getting sick, right? Because yes. like the death rate for people over eighty is like twenty seven percent in Colorado right now. If you're over seventy, it's like fifteen percent. Like. It's not worth if, risking when you someone, if you take the, no. the precaution of wearing a mask, it's a slight inconvenience. But if you save somebody's life, that's what it's all about with the social distancing and the mask wearing. Yeah, it sucks. But I'm just over it. I'm just over it. But you could save somebody's life. Uh, yeah, I know. I'm over no, it. No, I'm saying that like I, it's just so annoying that we're in this state. Like, remember uh-huh. when we first talked about this and you were like, and you made fun of me because I was like, we need to talk about this. And you're like, well, it's not going to happen here. Like, it's not going to be that bad, right? Do you remember that? I know. And um, that was naive of like me because, of because I am used to having a competent government and at least a government that cares about us. And we clearly don't have that leadership right now. And we're seeing how this whole thing is being the responses fumbled. And I, I mean, I didn't think it would get this bad. When DJT was elected, I jokingly said, oh, we're all going to die. And now we're all being personally affected by him. Some people are losing family members. I pin this on him. I'm sorry. I really do. And his fucking administration. And which, I will, which, I, which way do you which yes. way do you think we're closer? Are we, what, are we closer to being back to normal? Or are we closer to like more destabilization destabilization in America like uh, looting and like which way do you think we are right now because I feel like we're teetering on it could go either way is that just my panic I think that might be panic now it could be completely okay. wrong because I have been before but I'm starting to well, see the light at the end of the tunnel as far as the peak of this happening um, just from watching the news, like so, a lot of states feel like they might be at peak, or they they can pinpoint the date of the peak infection or and hospitalization or whatever. And if if they have that in mind, then from there it's downhill, and it'll be exponentially downhill, like it was exponentially up. But um, it's still going to be an ongoing thing, 
This summer, we might have a lull where there's nothing happening. There uh, are no, like, still people are going to be wearing masks. People are going to be sanitizing the shit out of things just to be safe because there's going to be a resurgence. Most likely, it would not be abnormal for us to be going through this again, fall, winter, or spring, or even a combination of those three uh, coming up. So I think summer is going to be a little lull, and then, We'll see what happens from there. And we still have to continue to be cautious until there's herd immunity and vaccination. And testing. And, and yes, and ramped up testing. Both for if you have it or and also the test to see if you've already had it. The good news is if there is a second or third wave, now everybody knows what it's like to be social distancing. Everybody has a mask. Everybody uh, is used to it. And also we'll have more testing, hopefully, like you just said, and we'll be able to make the second wave if there is one and there probably will be prepare everybody. But the second wave probably won't be nearly as bad as the first one is what I was just reading. Some scientists are thinking. So we'll see what what happens. You know what? So now they're projecting 60,000 Americans will die as a result of COVID-19. Like um, earlier projections was a hundred to two hundred thousand, and I saw like before we really started stay at home orders, like they were talking like you know a million, poss- possibly millions. Yeah. Now people are on social media saying it's no worse than the seasonal flu. Blah blah blah. It's no worse than the seasonal flu because we're fucking staying at home. Exactly. If we weren't. You don't have to be fuck. Way worse, you dumb fuck. So I just wanted to say that. Thank you. I think that's good to say. And, you know, we wouldn't have to, we don't do social distancing and stay at home lockdown orders with the seasonal flu. And it's less deadly, way less deadly. So. Unbelievable. What we're doing. I didn't realize how many doctors we had in the fucking world. So you go on social, social media. So that's why you should refrain from using it. Yeah, don't Unless fucking don't, us don't, on Twitter. Don't take your medical advice from some fucking boob on Facebook who posts a meme. What the, what the hell's wrong with everybody? Get the fuck off of Facebook. <sighs> um, you know, we did have one more story to get to, but I honestly don't think we have time. It was a funny one. A scary one. Sorry, Sorry for the well, Maybe we can save it for next time. Yeah. But it involves this 65-year-old guy in a fighter jet accidentally ejecting himself. He didn't mean to, but he did. Uh, <laughs> uh, by the way, shout out to David in Australia. He uh, is feeling better. He did. He was positive for COVID-19, and he says that he is better. So, um, and he's also, he has announced that Australia is quarantining for a six-month minimum period over there in Australia. So they may be ahead of the curve. This could Holy be here, crap. too. So, we'll maybe try to get him on during wow. that. Yeah. If Australia is doing They're that. They're probably getting more than 1200 bucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Any final words? Anyway. Stay home. Wash your hands. We'll all get through this. Yes. You're not alone in freaking out at being at home right now. We're all freaking out. We all are, we're all getting really weird. So... <laughs> starting to get weird it's like 2 a.m at the party pants are starting I to took come a off. shower to, I, I took a shower today and i got dressed and 
my daughter comes up. She's like, why are you getting dressed? And I'm like, <laughs> like, you're not going anywhere. And I'm like, that's fair. <laughs> President so Trump fair. does so much for our country. He works tirelessly for us all. I don't take responsibility at all. No. Appreciate it very much, Tim Apple. It is vital that our nation discuss and address the threat of pandemic flu now. But if we wait for a pandemic to appear, it will be too late to prepare. We have to put in place an infrastructure so that if and when a new strain of flu like the Spanish flu crops up five years from now or a decade from now, we've made the investment. I just say this, we have an invisible enemy. We have a problem that a month ago nobody ever thought about.